Clay Thompson puts it on the deck. Pass to the corner. There's Porter Jr. Left it fly. Three ball. The Warriors have their first lead of the night. It's 86-85. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. First lead of the night for the Warriors to open the fourth quarter, and they would never trail again after being down as many as 19. Warriors go on to win game two of the Western Conference Finals over the Mavericks. Final score of 126 to 117 last night in Chase Center. We welcome you into hour number three of Warriors this week. It's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. 888-957-9570. We are flying along here on a Saturday morning and on into the afternoon with you until 1 o'clock as we discuss all things Game 2 and the series shifting to Dallas. Big thanks to Mark Medina for joining us uh, in the last hour. Gary St. Jean is going to join us coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. But Whitey, as we reset here, top of the hour, uh, the Warriors in great, great shape after being able to overcome a significant punch from the Dallas Mavericks last night. Two huge factors, I think, so far in this series, and you can break it down individually, but I, to me, the two overriding biggest factors are the Warriors and the points in the paint. You mentioned it earlier last night. The Warriors outscored Dallas in the paint 62-30, to 30. so two games in now. The Warriors get into the cup, and the Mavericks are not, and then also just the Warriors' superior depth. Uh, you, 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 we just heard Otto Porter Jr. making that uh, jumper to give the Warriors the lead. Fourth quarter, Porter, he was part of a Warrior bench that outscored the Dallas bench last night, 36-13. to 13. The Warrior bench last night shot 12-17. The Dallas bench shot 5-18. of 18. So, you know, Luka is a phenomenal scorer, and Brunson had a big game, and then Bullock had a nice game. But there's just such a drop-off there for the Mavs once they have to go into their bench. And the Warriors had Jordan Poole coming off the bench with 23. So in those two areas, the Warriors have really dominated. And I think those are the two single biggest reasons why they enjoy this 2-0 lead going back to Dallas. 888-957-9570, Xfinity Mobile text line open, phone lines open. That's where Scott and Berkeley checks in here on 95.7 The Game. Scott, we appreciate you calling. You're up first here, top of the third hour. What's going on, Scott? What's going on, J.D.? What's going on, Whitey? Um, when you were talking about the Mavericks and the issues they've had on, on the bench through the postseason, it reminded me, that Jason has actually had a bit of a history with, I guess the best way to call it is sideline antics. Um, because the year they won the title, there was a game in Atlanta when I think it was Mike Woodson who was coaching the Hawks then. And I think he got a little, maybe a, like an inch out on the floor. And Jason, I think, was going up the court and he veered. And ran into and he ran into Woodson. He got a technical foul called on Woodson, and I think that's one that swung that game for Dallas late. And when he was coaching in Brooklyn, wasn't there? The, I think there was the incident. The Nets didn't have any timeouts late in the game, so he kind of. I think he told. I can't remember who it was. He had run into him when he was close. He spilled his drink. Coke in his hand. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He spilled his drink so, on and created a delay. Yeah. That's right. That's what he, yeah. So, I mean, he's always kind of, that's been, I guess, for lack of a better term, his modus operandi. You know, and I, I look at the Warriors now, and of course, me being as old as I am, as much as I hate to admit to this, I look at them now, and I 
and what I'm seeing is like the early 70s New York Knicks, where the Knicks could get into a hole and you would look, you would think they're about a step away from being run away from. And somehow, some way, they would get themselves back into a game. They would have the game tied late, and then all of a sudden, Clyde would, Clyde Frazier would, st- would get a steal in a bucket, and they'd end up easing away by eight. And this is what I've started to look at with the Warriors. I mean, you go back to game six of the, of the Memphis series, the Grizzlies had them in trouble, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, we'll have a 23-7 run and we'll put them away. And you look at last night and you're seeing the same thing. Um, it's, it's really it, – it's fascinating to see how I think things turn around. And, of course, on top of everything else last night, it was the idea that it was, it was really going inside more against the Mavericks. You know, I mean, the Mavericks just don't have any size to defend in the post. So, so it almost seems counterintuitive for the Warriors of all teams to be working to work, working a team to death inside. You are right about the idea that Boston is a tougher matchup, and I, I guess what they're saying tonight is they're. I guess Miami's going to try and play Lowry, but I think now right. there's a there's a there's an issue with PJ with Tucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tucker's been. I mean, he had an ankle, and then I mean, and then a knee, and so he's he's just he's just hanging on by a thread. It it feels like well, at this point. You know, with PJ, PJ's always been weird to me anyway because I I I was living in Vienna in 2012, Austria, and so I was watching him. In, I was watching him in the Beko Basketball League in Germany. The guy's game has literally not changed at all. It's, I mean, it irritates me to tears that the guy who basically can only shoot a ball from the corner and, you know, basically plays like an undersized center is still doing, is still doing it and is somehow, I guess, being considered a major player for, for a championship contender. I mean, people talk about him last year and I think his plus minus for the whole postseason was a minus 26. So, like I say, anyway, you guys have a good rest of the day. I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Bye. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the the call there. It it sounds like Lowry and Tucker are both going to be able to play in in the game tonight. And I'm I'm bringing up the the official injury report here, uh, the latest one, and I'm looking at it. Yeah, they're both questionable. But yeah, left knee irritation. Tucker had to go out of of game two, and and he had a an ankle issue a couple of games before that. I mean, he's just limping around. But yeah. the one thing about those Miami guys, they they do try to grind through it. Yeah, the real tell to me there is Coach Spolstra when he's asked about uh, Tucker, and he says he says he's fine. Ask him, he says he's good to go, which is right. often an indication that yeah, he's really not doing that great. A wide-ranging call from Scott took us to the the 70s Knicks all the way through Vienna. Uh, (laughs) Some interesting points. The point he made about the Warriors and the way they're finding ways to win when they're so far behind. What's most interesting to me about that, J.D., is that, again, right before the playoffs started, we didn't know if this team was going to be capable of that. We knew they could, but so many moving parts and so many pieces, guys had been injured, questions about Wiggins and Poole. Can they play well in the postseason? I think you and I talked about this. Is that first game against Denver, that first playoff game, we wondered, what is this team going to be like in the playoffs? It was like, boom, 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 check, check, check. 
So it's all come together for them, and they've played well, very well in these first two two games as well. As far as the Dallas bench issue goes, what rankles me a little bit is I think Jason Kidd's being a little disingenuous about this because the problem is if you're up there and you're standing on the court, you know there are safety issues, and Jason Kidd is trying to frame it in uh, in terms of. Um, the enthusiasm for the game, for a teammate to cheer on another teammate, it's special. I think sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing. Like, you know, team chemistry is important. It's like, dude, that's not the problem. You can cheer all you want. You can't stand on the court. That's the problem. Yeah, there there is something going on there, too. And and even his answer that we, we talked about last hour when he was asked about the $50,000 fine, I mean, there was, he, he almost tried to spin it. Like there were antics the other way, maybe on the Phoenix side for B. He didn't mention him by name, but it was, there was an undertone of, yeah, what Phoenix bitched and complained about that after we sent him home, sore losers, like pound sand. Like there was Mm -hmm. a very dry tone to, to that. I was sitting in the room as he addressed it on, on Wednesday before the game as, as the fine was announced. So there, there is, I think, some, some antics going on on his part with that and the Mavs and, and the multiple fines now because of it. Yeah, and it's legitimate, and it's easy to make fun of. And I think it was mentioned on the telecast that, that Joe Lacob has raised that issue because, again, Jordan Poole on the sideline last night, they showed it. He takes a three from the side, and he, you know, there's a question as to whether he's going to have room to land, and that's a real serious issue. And Jason Kidd, when, when, to the point you're making here about the, the fine after the way they played after they played Phoenix, he says, we got fined. Who complained? It was a blowout. I don't think the fans were complaining. I thought the guys did what they were supposed to do. They were cheering on their guys. So we'll find out what the fine is, but it is what it is. And it was $25,000, and they got fined a second time. So, yeah, just this is easy to clean up, and I don't appreciate the the – you know, the kind of the disingenuous explanation that, well, they're focused on the wrong thing, and we're just cheering each other on, and that's a good thing. No, that's not the problem. Huh? Joe and San Bruno, back to the phones at 888-957-9570. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Uh, first, I want to thank you guys for taking calls on the radio, which it doesn't happen much anymore in this day and age. And we know that not all calls are, good, are great, but many are excellent, and we appreciate listening to you as much as you listening to us. So I want to thank you guys for, for doing that. And then uh, I want to talk Thanks, about Joe. Moses Sharpie Moody and why the fans love him over Damian Lee. Damian Lee always seems to look nervous. He's got this, this analogy of like a quarterback. He's always got happy feet. Sometimes he's just jumping around all over the place, trailing his man, or sometimes he gets turning, turning even around. And it was a play where, to illustrate the difference between Moody and Damian Lee on defense, he was playing the fourth, I think it was the fourth quarter, where Moody was uh, kind of in an awkward position. He was having to help out on a Maverick player going towards the basket, and he had to leave his man for a split second. And he just put himself in a great position where he was able to not only cover the driver, but just to deflect the pass a little bit uh, that was going to the man in the, in the corner. So Moses Sharpie Moody is just solid thanks for the call great great call joe and i think part of the deal with moody and 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 i think this you see it with kaminga too whitey as it relates to damian lee i I do think there is an extra affinity from the warrior fan base to want 
the young players to be a major part of this ride and not just the future, right? It's there, There's a desire. It's kind of like the individual award thing where mm-hmm. it, you don't just want to win, but Steph needs to be the M, the finals MVP because that you can shove in the in, in all the, the, the face of the haters, right, and, and, and the naysayers. Like, I think there's a fan component to, hey, the Warriors have Steph and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins has come along. And you know what? Kaminga is a factor now, and Moody's a factor now, and it's just unstoppable. So I think there is just an added energy around the young players to want them to be a bigger part of it than maybe they're ready to be. And and I think that comes from a very good place from from the fans. Uh, I think it comes from a place of of you know love and devotion to to the way. That, that the Warriors have, have put this team together and the, the bridge that they're trying to, to, you know, come up with the two eras that we talk about so often. So I think a little, a little of that is just, a, just an eagerness to have the young players joining the, the older players that are trying to, to help them win this championship. Now, make no mistake, though, Moody was a better player last night than Damian Lee, and, and yeah, I'm rolling with the... I'm rolling with the Sharpie, Sharpie movie yeah. for the rest yeah. of the series. I don't know about you, JD. If I were playing in the Western Conference Finals, you know, I'd I'd be scared to death. But Damian Lee, you know, he doesn't normally, he doesn't look nervous. And I thought last night he looked like maybe the moment was a little big for him, uh, with especially one of the misses he had from three. And then he got into it, as you said, you know, Bertans. And I don't know if that's fair, but it looked like, wow, um, he's a little distracted. This this game is a little big for him, and you don't normally see that from him. So I think that's one reason why we didn't see him go back in the game. As for Moody, here's what, one of the things I notice about him, and it's hard to say when you're just you know if, if you're not there watching him all the time. But you see a lot of players, and and Kaminga last night at one point he was joking and laughing, having a good, which is fine. Moody is not like that. Maybe I'm wrong, J.D., but to me, I know there was a shot last night of Steph. This was early in the game. Moody's sitting right next to him. And at that point, you know, Moody had no chance to get in the game. Moody is, he's got a Moody face where he's just locked in and he's looking up at the scoreboard, got kind of a scowl. But to me, that says a lot. Even when he's not playing and it doesn't look like he's going to play, you can tell he's still processing everything and he is locked in. He is, and and one thing I'll say for Moody, and and this goes for all of the young players and and being on the road, and I'm going to be headed to Dallas after the the show today, but from being in Denver and Memphis, and and it happens at at Chase as well, the early warm-up, and and these guys are coming out, and and Moody and and Kaminga specifically, the early warm-up where they come out with the coaches and, and really get after it, you know, three hours before the game mm-hmm. and and go through the paces and and moves and and work to just get prepared to maybe not play but be ready if you do get called upon it it really is a sight to see and it's before fans are, are in the building because as, as things get closer to tip off the the players that are going to be in the rotation come out and and take a little bit of that time but but two and a half three hours before the game to see the work that Moody and Kaminga put in it it is and especially Moody to your point about the look on his face and and the locked in there there is a a you know utmost of professionalism component to to Moses Moody that that I think will will take him a long way in this game. Yeah, what did you think of the all rookie teams? I I, I mentioned this Thursday. You know, a lot of people are still 
uh, taking shots at me because I was on with you and Dibs last year, the day of the draft. And, you know, we didn't know how good Kaminga was going to be. And I remember I said, I'd, I'd take Franz Wagner and people made fun of me. Franz Wagner just made first team all rookie. Okay. So that was, that would not have been a terrible mm-hmm. pick. Um, but uh, we also had Duarte, I think made second team and the words were looking at him. Um, I think the Warriors are fine with the guys they picked. They just didn't play enough this year to make any of those teams. But what did you what did you think of the all the all rookie teams? Well, the first point on on Duarte, and I know this is not necessarily new information, but I think if if Duarte had not been selected by Indiana, I, I think he would be a, a member mm-hmm. of the Golden State Warriors, like like mm-hmm. point blank. Uh, I, I think I think he would be. Uh, yeah, you look at the the rookie teams and and just kind of scanning through. I'm, I'm not really surprised when mm-hmm. when you look. I mean, Scotty Barnes, terrific. Cunningham's there. Mobley, awesome. Wagner, no issue with that. Jalen Green uh, among the first team. Uh, no, yeah, no. Good class. I, I don't have any issue. Yeah, it's a it's a good class. I mean, Bones Highland makes a lot of sense, and Giddy had a had a really good year. Herb Jones helped the Pelicans uh, and, and Duarte on there. I think they, I think they got it right. And you look at, at Jonathan Kaminga and Davion Mitchell, the, the top, the top two basically that were out of, of the first or the second team. I think that's about right. I don't think Kaminga played enough to, to put himself on, on the second team or was impactful when you compare him to guys like Duarte and, and Herb Jones and, and even Bones Highland, who was a, a big-time factor as a backup point guard for Denver. Yeah, my takeaway from the Warriors' standpoint is that, as you say, you look at that team, it's like, yeah, those that, those are the all-rookie teams, really good class, those are good players, even though the Warriors don't Kaminga have... might wind up being better than most of them. Maybe. <laughs> That's the yeah. other takeaway. Yeah, that's my point is even though they didn't have any either of their guys made all rookie teams, they still feel really good about both of those players going forward. And those are two picks in a really, you know, you're not sitting there going, boy, I don't know if we got this right. A really good class in the words. It looks to this point like they nailed both those picks. Uh, Robin is next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Robin. Hey, J.D. So I'm down in Anaheim. Um Disneyland for my granddaughter's two-year-old, and uh, we're waiting to go eat at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, and the Love kids it. are saying, turn off 95.7 the game. You're hooked. <laughs> You're addicted. Nights at hell. You can be addicted to a lot more worse things. Let me call JD. Um, and is that, I always get Whitey and uh, the other guy's voice mixed up, so... I'm sorry about that if I do that. I just wanted to say, isn't it amazing how <laughs> how isn't it, isn't it amazing how Looney just camped out underneath the basket? You guys have an explanation for that? Do they lose them? Do they think do you think he will start uh the Dallas will start to um Look at that and, and approach him differently because he is just left wide open to camp out all day long. Peace out, you guys. Appreciate the call, Robin. Whitey, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier as far as I, I do think teams lose him, but they all they also just they think, well, he's not going to do it. He, he can't do enough to really hurt us, right? Even if right, he gets a right. few buckets, he, he can't do enough to really make it make it hurt. Well, he – did more than enough to make it hurt last night. Yeah, and Robin tends to get me confused with Jim Cosimore, and that that's there are worse things to be confused with than Jim Cosimore. Shut your so yapper. 
<laughs> I hope you're having a great time. I think part of what's going on at the risk of oversimplifying is we know that that Dallas is trying to run the Warriors off the three-point line. So then when you do that, you get some penetration. And when the Warriors are penetrating, then somebody's got to help. And it's got to be part of the Dallas game plan, right? So who helps? So you well, just shut guard, your yapper. Whoever, if you're guarding Looney, then you're the guy that helps. And they're just the Warriors are really making them pay for that. Yeah, they have. And, and Robin, thanks for the call. And enjoy Disneyland and enjoy Roscoe's. Love going to Roscoe's. When, Chicken uh, and waffles. I've only come to that later mm-hmm. in my life, J.D. Chicken uh, and waffles. Tremendous. Unbelievably uh, good. Yeah. Unbel- no no question. Yes. No, 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 no doubt about it. Now, now, I'm, now I'm getting hungry here. As before. <laughs> I, I try not to eat on a, on a travel day too much because I don't like sitting on the plane heavy. And now I'm thinking, like, where can mm. I get some chicken and waffles here before – before hopping on that plane uh, to, to Dallas. Uh, Abe next here on 95.7 The Game. Lake Berryessa. What's going on, Abe? Ooh. Hey, guys. Uh, J.D., uh, Whitey. Uh, great uh, great points here. I wanted to just bring up um, a couple callers ago alluded to it, uh, but I was extremely frustrated as to wow, how in the world is Damian Lee somehow in this rotation? That guy literally, Mike Brown did this. He implemented him. I have no idea why he did this. This is when Kerr was out. I highly doubt Steve Kerr said drop him in the rotation. This is a Mike Brown thing. He gave him a few minutes. I think he may have had success. I don't really recall. You guys might give me better insight. I I didn't analyze it to that point. But, one, why is he in the game? He just doesn't. I don't think it's, it's too big for him. He just isn't it. I don't, I don't understand his role in the team. He's great for in-season, you know, bits and pieces, but he's not – I don't understand his role on this team, one. And two, um, Moses Moody, man, major props. At 19 years old, I believe he's 19 or 20, hasn't played a lick of playoff games and gets called upon and is left with left in the game in the last five minutes, and he's – He's just doing it as if he's been in the league for four or five years. Uh, so I just wanted to mention those points. Thank you guys for taking my call. Appreciate it, Abe. I think three-point shooting, physicality, I think at times Lee does even borderline. He'll, he'll push that line in kind of a subtle way between physicality and maybe a little bit over the line, uh, which I think does tend to play in, in the playoffs at times. And he was a good player for the Warriors last year. I know a different team, different circumstances. He mm-hmm. was a productive, positive player for the Warriors last year. I do want to chime in on one thing Abe did say specifically. It Steve Kerr went to went to Lee, and and he was the one that put him in the rotation. Game one of the Memphis series, Damian Lee was in the rotation. He actually played before Kaminga, even though Kaminga played more and, and played better. Uh, but the reason is because of the injuries, not only to Gary Payton II, but also to Iguodala. That is why. I know we, we've gotten a lot more. We got a ton of calls about Damian Lee last week. Yeah. Far too many, I think, about Damian Lee today. But, you know, and again, I've said it. Moody, I think, is getting the minutes moving forward. Doesn't mean Lee's not going to play at all the rest of the, the playoffs. But he is playing because the Warriors are without two rotation players. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate that. Go ahead, Whitey. I just think I think the answer is, why do they play him? I think 
He's a proven shooter at times. He didn't shoot well last night, but why do they have him out? I think they believe that he understands the system, understands what they're doing at both ends, and he can make shots. If he's not making shots, there really are not a lot of reasons to have him on the floor, which is what we ended up with last night when he missed two shots badly and just didn't play very well, didn't seem to be um, having much of an impact at all. So, yeah, his role probably shrinking. But that that's why do they have him out there? They have him out there because he's proven that at times he can make a three-point shot. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. We've got a lot of people that want to talk. We'll pause here. We'll come back. 90 minutes to go. Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Cross-court skip to Wiggins. He'll fake, puts it on the deck. Feed Looney goes up for a dunk. As time expires, Kevon Looney with an 11-point quarter. He's got 17 for the game. It's a two-point game starting the fourth quarter. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Just two of Kevon Looney's career high, 21 points last night. <laughs> the Warriors' 126-117 to win over the Mavs. It, it's hard not to call that out and acknowledge it and and not chuckle a little bit given the fact that I, I think Anthony Slater did the digging on that never more than 19 in a playoff game and never more than mm. 15 in a regular season game for Kevon Looney that's that's incredible 21 in game two of the conference finals when the mm-hmm. Warriors need it I mean that is that in we talk about Steph and Clay and and Draymond and Iguodala Looney being able to rise to the occasion just because the defense is leaving him alone, that in and of itself, Whitey, file it in the championship pedigree category. Yes, and it's not only uh, a testament to Kevon Looney and how well he fits everything the Warriors do, but it's a testament also to the Warrior offense that that play especially, remember that? That came right down, obviously, to the buzzer before they found Kevon Looney uh, underneath. And that's been that player movement, ball movement, as Saint always tells us, and he's going to join us today at 1230. That's been what the Warriors have done offensively that Dallas just doesn't have an answer for. I thought it was interesting that uh, Jason Kidd after the game said, well, when we're not scoring, we're not defending. And okay, but to me, they're not defending at all, whether they're scoring or not. They're really struggling. And I also thought some of his comments about the three-point shooting were – I don't know, maybe a bit of a mixed message. I mean, where he said after game one, we had the open shots, they just gotta they just gotta go in. And then he said last night, if you make threes, that's great, but you have to understand if you miss four in a row, you can't take the fifth. You've gotta make it. So yeah. I he's 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 gra- he's you know grabbing at straws a little bit here trying to figure out where they go from here. I, I I'm gonna say something that's probably a little bit unpopular. At least it will be in this area. And, and look, I'll preface it by saying Jason Kidd's done a tremendous job this year for the Mavs, and I, I didn't think that was necessarily going to work. And I've admitted, hey, I was wrong about that. I've been really unimpressed with him in the in the three or four days as far as the press conferences and the kind of kind of slow, dry, you know, undertones of maybe some antics or some gamesmanship. Like, I, I've been just unimpressed with his demeanor, press conferences, explanations uh, on things. I agree with you. A little too casual maybe after game one. And then after game two, it's like, well, you should know better if the shot – well, really? Because you just said the shots were going to go in and the shots did go in. So what? what's the adjustment? I will say this before we get back to the phones, Whitey. I, I I think he's spot on with maybe his team being a little bit of of front runners in that 
when the shots aren't going in, even in small stretches. And there were a couple of streaks where the Mavs missed six in a row at one point. I think they missed six out of eight at another stretch, which, I mean, for as hot a night as they had, that's pretty incredible, 21 to 45. There were a couple of cold spells. If they aren't going to defend in those moments where they are taking really quick shots, they're sunk. And that's exactly where Mm -hmm. the Warriors can make up ground and why they were able to make up ground so quickly at a couple of different points in the game last night. I just think the Warriors are doing a really good job of handling uh, the blitzes, the traps, and maybe we thought we were going to see more of it. But I, and then after you get beyond that, you know, if Dallas and they had so much success against Phoenix doing that, that if the Warriors have an answer for that, and clearly they do, see Kevon Looney twenty-one points, um, then you know it, it schematically they're running out of answers, and I just don't think the Dallas roster, as I've said a number of times here, I, I just don't think they match up well enough for the Warriors for for them to to make this a competitive series. But everything can change, as we all know, when we go back to uh, to Dallas tomorrow night. All right, Duck Sauce in San Jose, 888-957-9570. What's up, Duck Sauce? Hey, fellas, thanks for taking my call. Um, love the show every Saturday. You guys have done a great job all season long. <clears throat> um, uh, a couple points I wanted to make. I apologize if you guys have already talked this, this stuff into the ground already. But uh, the first thing is, um, I, even last night when we were down 20, um, I never felt super worried because I just don't feel like they have the personnel to really make us feel them you know, physically like, like Memphis did. Uh, when we'd get down six or seven against Memphis, it would feel like there was just a huge mountain to climb to get back into that. And it, it just don't feel like this, like that with Dallas. Um, so that's one reason I really think, you know, their goose is cooked. Um, <clears throat> another thing is, uh, yeah, I don't want to make this a Damian Lee bashing, you know, show, but the, the poise that Moody showed with that length and that size, um, there's no reason for Damian Lee to play anymore. I mean, I know I know Kerr's just trying to steal minutes because we're shorthanded, but for him to show that those that type of quality minutes, I mean, he needs those minutes moving forward. Um, and the last point I wanted to make is, uh, you know, the, the four-year, five-year run when we were just, you know, blowing teams out and we were head and shoulders above the league, I felt like after that, everyone in the league just felt like they need to also start shooting high-volume threes. But to me, it's where the war, this organization is still playing chess where everyone else is playing checkers because we still have the two greatest shooters in the world. But now we're, we're hitting mid-range, you know, at a high clip where everyone else is just trying to out-volume everybody. And I just, that, I just think that speaks to the Warriors' character and to, to the culture they have. You know, they're, they're, they're just above everyone else. That, that's all I got, guys. Thanks. Well, it, it's the basketball IQ, I think, as well, Duck Sauce, to know. And, and look, the Warriors still, for as much as the three-point shot took the headlines, the Warriors did thrive in the mid-range, especially in the Durant era. And, and even early on, like they had Sean Livingston would get twos. Like the Warriors had players that would get twos and get into the paint and they'd get buckets in transition. It was not only three-point shooting even in the earlier iterations of this team, Whitey. Yeah, Sean Lemmingson really couldn't shoot a three. You're right. I'll say this to the point Duck Sauce made about Dallas. You know, in all fairness, and again, I know, I we all know this thing could turn around tomorrow, but the Dallas roster, it's still kind of a work in progress. They traded Porzingis, they got Dinwiddie, and they got Bertans. But, you know, 
Porzingis was supposed to be like one of their foundational pieces. So they're still looking for that, you know, Luca and who they don't have it right now. And Hardaway's hurt. He's one of their better players. So that's why I think to me, this kind of reminds me, JD, as we said last night of the 2019 conference finals, where I think the right now, I think the Warriors are playing a team that doesn't really belong in the finals to their credit. They're here. It's an incredible upset what they did to the Suns, but I just don't think they're as good as you'd think they'd be a team that's in the conference final. So that's where I think the coach is getting a little frustrated. They're getting a little frustrated. I just don't think this team right now, they're going to be better. They're going to add. I know there's talk that maybe they go out and get Gobert. I've, I've seen something about that in the offseason. I don't know, but this is a roster that's still kind of in flux, whereas the Warriors really like all the pieces they have right now, and they feel like they have right now a team that is built to compete for a championship this year. Yeah, and, and look, the, the winning a championship was not on the board for the Mavs this right. year. They've already right. reached a level beyond, right. I think, what the expectation could be. And so, no, I, I think you're right on the money. Like, they're they're riding the wave, and they're, they're playing in – as well as they can for what they have and who they have. And Luca's tremendous. I mean, I, there could be a time in the next two years, Whitey, where Luca just becomes so good that, that they're going to just be in the conference finals every single year. Like, I think that's on the table for him. And so the next move or two that they make, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they win a title at some point in the next couple of years. I, I'm with you, though. I don't think it's necessarily going to be this year. Uh, Khaled and Clayton – on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Khaled. Hey, J.D. and Whitey. How you guys doing? Good. So, well, doing here, well. Here's what I got to say. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the middle of Costco right now, so hopefully it doesn't get too bad for you guys. But <laughs> one of the things that I'd like to bring up is Robin was asking, why is it that uh, Looney is so wide open under the basket? It's because the Warriors, you know, it's, he's the less of three evils in that right. situation. Because... You've got Steph, Clay, Poole out on the floor. You might have Porter out there on the floor. You can't put a body on, on Looney and let those guys go one-on-one. You have to blitz Steph. They now are starting to have to blitz uh, Jordan Poole. You have to pay attention to Clay because if you don't, I mean, you have to give up the two points, you know, possibly, you know, or hack Looney and have him try to earn it from the stripe. Um, as opposed to leaving Steph one-on-one on an island against who, Bertans, Kleber, whoever it is that they switch him up onto. You know, that's why you have Looney wide open underneath. And Looney's enjoying, you know, probably one of his best playoff runs because the Warriors are just really special on offense. Even though they don't bring it every single game that way, you still have to honor those guys. And you, he's the least of all evils out there on the floor. And then when you look at the rest of the situation and you assess when the Warriors' offense isn't going, why it is that when Dallas is rolling and they get up to a 19-point lead, the Warriors are able to come back, it's because the Warriors know how to play elite defense on top of that offense. And that's what a championship-caliber team is able to do. It's one, they've got a deficit in the way that they're playing. They can ratchet up the other portion of their game you know, on defense to be able to clamp it down and keep the game close and be able to keep a manageable, at least manageable for a Warriors-type team, 14-point lead at the half and be able to come on one of those historic third-quarter runs where I think they held Dallas to like 11 or 13 points 
in the third quarter because of that elite defense and because the offense kicked in. But, you know, this is what championship team's DNA is. They're able to be elite on offense, and they're able to be elite on defense. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Love the show. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks, Colette. Enjoy enjoy your shopping out there. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. some really good points. Not not much to really even add to that, Whitey. I would I would just say this, uh, Colette, and, and thanks. I, I agree with you, and I, I made the point a different way about Kevon Looney. Why is he scoring so much? Because, you know, if you're Dallas and you got to leave somebody, that that's who you're leaving, and he's taking advantage of it. Kevon Looney, by the way, he, really good hands, right? Remember last year we talked a lot about mm-hmm. Wiseman and boy hands, and I I've never really thought of Kevon Looney in that way, but he's got really good hands. Here's the thing with why the Warriors are able to come back, and I agree with everything Khaled said, but to me, you know, you can come back when you know the other team can't guard you. You can come back from a big deficit if you know they can't guard us. I didn't realize this, JD. Um, game one, the Warriors winning one twelve to eighty seven. The Warriors made forty six of eighty two shots for fifty six point one percent. Game two, one twenty six to one seventeen. The Warriors made forty six of eighty two shots, fifty six point one percent. Both games, fifty six point one percent. And I know the three point shooting very little bit, but there it is. Dallas just can't stop this team right now. No, they can't. And a couple of missed shots, and it turns into a run really quickly. And the Warriors were able to do that a couple of different times last night. 510 chiming in, Xfinity Mobile text line. Could you guys comment on the Mavs bench players wearing white and standing on the sideline and raising a hand? That seems like baiting. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in the last hour, Whitey. Uh, there, there is some antics going on, I think, from the from the Dallas bench. And uh, for those that may just be joining us, they have been fined twice in the playoffs for what the NBA has alluded to as bench decorum. So this is something that the league is continuing to, to monitor. Let, let's keep it moving on the phone lines. Austin in Redwood City next to 95.7 The Game. Hey, Austin. Hey, how y'all doing, man? Thanks for having me. You got it, Austin. What's you on me? your mind, brother? Okay, okay loud and clear. Hey, man, here's what I got with this Damian. Uh, here's what I got with this Damian Lee thing. Hey, Damian Lee is part of the reason why we're here right now. In the beginning of the season, he did his job. Um, that's what I like about that. Uh, he deserved his minutes before he, before a rookie deserved their minutes. Um, and another thing, Luca had made a comment time ago. He was like, "It's easy to score in his league, right? But is it harder for you to play some type of defense?" Uh, to stop these Warriors, I don't think I think it's hard for you, man. Um, and then Curry, his inside game is just as effective as the out game, outside game. Probably even more effective than the inside game than his outside game. Uh, that's all I got for you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Luca's defense has been pretty atrocious in the first two games of this series. Mm-hmm. He's you know he's a great scorer. He's not a great shooter. Made some big shots last night. I know he did. Um, and I think his defense has gotten better this year, but he's yeah, he's not great there. And I think I think he even got called out in the Phoenix series by by Coach uh, Kid. So yeah, that's 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 an issue for him. It's the biggest issue uh, for them as the series goes um, to to Dallas. But um, the Warriors right now just have a lot more ways to win games than the than the Dallas Mavericks do. JD, it's that it's that simple, really. And I'm going to give Austin a nod for taking up for Damian Lee. Not a lot of yes, people taking you. up for Damian Lee in, in, in this show today and, and recently. 
but yeah, I mean, look, I think Moody's getting the time moving forward. We've talked a lot about that. Uh, but Damian Lee has been a, a productive player for the Warriors really over the last couple of years, more often than he's gotten credit for it. And I think that's why he did get the minutes with the Warriors even down a couple of rotation players. Again, that being said, Moses Moody, I think, is getting the Damian Lee minutes for the rest of this series at least. Dawn in yeah. Sunnyvale next on 95.7 The Game. Hi. Um, Hi, Dawn. And then a question. Hey, um, yeah, did you night. notice that as soon, as soon as Looney came out in the fourth after he was playing so great that we immediately went back to fouling Luca on two straight possessions? And then, um, question, did you guys notice that Dinwiddie was extremely um, shooting shy? I mean, he was wide open, and they needed points badly, and he would pass. Did you guys notice that? I think he's been a little out of sorts in this series, and, and thanks for the call, Don. Uh, I, I think the Warriors have done a nice job. He's, he's gotten it going a little bit. But he's also seemed a little out of rhythm, I think, to this point in the series, Whitey. Yeah, he has not played well. And he was uh, a guy that I think they were counting on as being potentially uh, an X factor. And, you know, he's got to give them offense. And he has not been shooting the ball well. Dawn, I really appreciate the point she made about the fouls they were committing uh, after Mm -hmm. Kevon Looney came out of the game. And by the way, that hug that he got from Steve Kerr, how nice was that? But they committed some really atrocious fouls, you know, especially the one by Draymond Green, which was as bad a foul as you will see in that situation, really. But it's like, okay, you just take care of your business here. You don't foul. Don't stop the clock. And actually kept Dallas in that game into the final minute and a half, whatever it was. But that's a great point. I know one time Brunson made a really nice play, and Steph, you know, he just got his hand in the cookie jar. He was just trying to play defense. But, yeah, there was much too much fouling, very aggravating down the stretch. The Warriors uh, overcame that, but it was very aggravating down the stretch as many fouls as they committed. Let's get Jimmy in San Jose on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, how you doing? Um so you just mentioned Draymond fouling at the end. You know, last night for some reason, I didn't mind him being off the floor for a bit. Um, seemed like Draymond, or not seemed seemed like Looney with the kind of the death lineup out there was very effective. I mean, you saw Porter with him, and and it just seemed like they just have this kind of smoothness that um, you know they pick up for Draymond a little bit when he's not in there, but for some reason, like minus 19 kind of stood out last night. What do you guys think? Yeah, the minus 19 can be deceiving sometimes. Last night it was not deceiving <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I know you're, you're not a big plus minus guy, like, but the eye test matched the the numbers for, for Draymond last night. And I think, Whitey, it was the second game that stands out. Game one of the, the series against Memphis where, where Draymond – found himself ejected uh, I think that is they, the Warriors really played well in that game uh, w- without him and so I think you know you you this is really the second game now in in a different series where he hasn't played well and they've they've taken up for him and, and played better at, through a stretch without him and I think that's another one of these Warriors just kind of getting what they need at every turn to try and win this championship 
He had a really bad game. There's no way around it. I know we talked about the numbers last night with Draymond out. The Warriors outscored Dallas. I think it was 34 uh, to 15. He had three of the first four turnovers, and they were bad, bad, ghastly. Like, what are you doing turnovers? Not like, oh, boy, great defensive play. Um, And then the fouls and then losing his composure. I agree with a texter who said earlier, and I know we talked about this, but Texter said when Steve Kerr talked about the team losing their composure at halftime and they had to settle in, they were too anxious, I think he was talking about Draymond. And I think he was. For whatever reason, it's very un-Draymond-like, in my opinion. I think we all uh, can agree on that. But he was really bad last night. I also think when he's off the floor, and hopefully you know, they're going to need him, and hopefully he'll settle down and play more like we're used to Draymond playing. They're really going to need that, especially on the road, the way he organizes things at both ends. But, you know, when he is reluctant to shoot, and he made that big three last night, and he's just up there running the offense from the point, I mean, in some ways you're a little simpler to guard. Maybe not easy to guard, but simpler. When he's off the floor, I thought they had more action going on different sides of the floor than just Draymond running everything right from the point. So that was a little stunning to see how badly he played last night, but he, uh, I would expect him to bounce back. Lee and Tiburon is next on 95.7, the game on Warriors this week. Lee, you're the final caller of hour number three. What's going on, Lee? Hey, John. Hey, Whitey. Great show. Uh, just wanted to chime in on one thing. Did you guys think it was kind of weird that uh, Kerr waited so long to insert Curry in the second quarter of the game when uh, Dallas was going on that run? It it didn't stand out in the moment, Lee, but I, I know Steve Kerr is always trying to buy a couple of minutes when he can for Steph in an attempt to know he's going to have to play him later mm-hmm. in the game and maybe extend him later in the game. So I, I would I would think that maybe that was part of what was going on there. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That makes sense. The only surprise there really was when this had nothing to do with Steph, but we talked about it already, when they took Wiggins off the floor while Luka was still on the floor and they tried to put Clay yeah. on him a couple of possessions. And that did, it's like, nope, that didn't. And they had to put Wiggins right back out there. Wiggins last night played a team high 38 minutes. And as we said last night, just worked his tail off for every one of those minutes. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. Uh, we'll have more phone calls for you coming up. Uh, John in San Francisco at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. And Gary St. Jean's going to join us at 1230 as Warriors this week rolls on. Dubs with the 2 nothing lead. We're talking about it all right here on 95.7 The Game.